Hi. Hey. How you doing, hot stuff? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Alex? Good. Pulling off the notes. Captain Under bites at it again. Oh boy. We're like a second in and he's already he's a- making himself known. <laughs> yeah. How you doing? I'm fine. I was gonna insert a really not nice name. It's fine. Welcome back to our podcast. Welcome back to our podcast. How to be queer. How to be queer. My name is Alex. Your name's Kim. Your pronouns are they, them. Your pronouns are she, her. And welcome back to the podcast. Welcome back to the podcast. So do we want to talk a little bit about, well, so it's, it's a Thursday night here in our house and it's, uh, sometimes we do these podcasts in the morning. Sometimes we do them like, you know, when we can find time in the afternoon, but usually we're either early in the morning or later in the evening. Yeah. But today we're coming to folks during happy hour. We are. We're enjoying it. We're, this is really good. We're going to have some fried chicken and ramen with our. I, I, I can't even think about that yet, but I want to do like a little shout out to the Blanchard family <gasps> wines. Oh yes. So we, um, as our listeners know, we have four children mm-hmm. ages 15 to eight. Mm-hmm. And we have some amazing friends in our life, bro friend who we're thinking is going to join us on this episode. And we also have a dear friend, Brie. We do. Hi, Brie. Hi, Brie. And our friend Brie right now is, is helping us plan the celebration that we're having in November, yeah. which listeners, you know, Alex and I are on a journey to joy, mm-hmm. which is, <laughs> is, is, is for us to be really present in the fact that we are going to get legally married in November. But our friend Brie is helping us basically pull all of these different, cause she's an amazing event planner and she's brilliant and she's amazing. We owe her a lifetime supply of cases of wine or, or dinner or dinner, sushi, whatever yeah, she wants. Whatever cause she she's wants. amazing. Uh, but on uh, last Sunday night, she came over with bro friends and they said, can you guys just go get the fuck out? Just get- <laughs> <laughs> Basically just get the fuck out and go do something. We've got the kids. And so we went to, um, the Blanchard family wines to Mm -hmm. do a wine tasting. And we had an amazing queer server. We did who like walked us through all the different things. And we got this wine. It is a 2018 Zinfandel, which I have to say, I'm a big fan of, of Zinfandel. I didn't know that. I thought you only like noir. I love Pinot Noir. I don't like really dry wine. Okay. Like, I don't like when I'm drinking a glass of wine and I feel like, like I'm, you know, Oh yeah. Like, I don't, I don't love that. I like more jam. What's up biceps. Right. <laughs> We're going to talk about that too. I'm having trouble. <laughs> okay. okay. Keep your focus. <laughs> focus. So I, I, I love a good red wine and I'm also a seasonal drinker. Mm-hmm. So like, I won't drink red wine in the summer and I won't drink white wine in the winter. Yes. But I do, I do love a Zinfandel, but I remember, and I wonder if our listeners will remember this too. When, when I was maybe like 20, some years ago, when I was, oh, I'm going to start drinking wine. I'm so refined. Why do I remember like Zinfandel being pink? Was there like a phase of time where we had pink Zinfandel wine? Yes. Because I remember in back also in my twenties when I'm like, Oh, I'm going to drink wine now. Um, I drank Riesling. 
Oh, that's like, like super sweet. It's like, yeah, dessert in a glass. It's good though. It, it is really good. Um, Katie likes that. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And then. Or she did. Okay. She still does. Yeah. And then I remember Zinfandel being. Yeah, I remember being pink. So I re- so so somewhere in the last couple of years, I was like, oh, there's a red. Your glass is empty. Let I me know. fill that for you. <laughs> I'm hoping that this is going to work wonders for me later. Um, the red Zinfandel, it's really good because it's kind of it's it's like really flavorful without being spicy or without being dry. It's mm, spicy mm-hmm. without being dry. Yeah. And I swear to you guys, we're not sponsored. Although I would love it, we're not sponsored by Blanchard Family Wines, but my goodness, this glass of wine is good. Yes. Yeah. They, um, they're located in the Denver milk market area. Yeah. Which I really like that. The dairy block, the dairy block. Yes. Which is really cool. So if you're in Denver, yeah. like go see the dairy block. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And I love that our, yeah, just need to have a. So I also love that we bought from our wine tasting, we bought two bottles of the Zinfandel, which mm-hmm. is a little bit of a higher price point than we normally spend on wine. Mm-hmm. Um, Fun fact, one of the things we do with our friends out here is we do a blind wine tasting where everyone brings a bottle of wine that is, um, and you put it in like a paper bag, but you pick um, a $10 bottle of wine, a $20 bottle of wine, a $30 bottle of wine, but you don't tell anybody and you don't know what you're tasting. Oh, that's fun. Right. Remember yeah, yeah, when yeah. we did this, we did it for yep. G's birthday. We've done it. it actually for a couple of birthdays mm-hmm. and it's really fun, but I think I want to say we've done it like three or four times. And every time we've done it, everyone's ended up picking like more the like 15 bo- dollar bottle of wine is the best wine. Yeah. Just because it's expensive doesn't mean it's good. Yeah. And so it's, it's been super fun when we've done that with our friends where you know, and you get assigned like, you know, so maybe somebody's bringing two bottles of the $10 wine. One person is bringing a 15 and then one person is bringing one bottle of a 30. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you cover them up. So you don't know. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's a good time. This is what we do in the suburbs. This is, this is a good segue into our, our, our topic, not the coming out part, but the joy part. Because doing blind wine tastings, it's, it's just fun. There's a lot of freaking joy in that, yeah, right? Tons. Okay. So we're not here to talk about wine tasting. Not really. Although it's really fun to drink with you. It's really fun to do lots of things with you too. I'm going to say it again. (laughs) Dude, my parents listen to this podcast. I love harassing you. (laughs) You harass me too. I do. Okay. 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 We're allowed to, right? it's, It's consensual. It is. We have the consent to harass you. All right, but let's get to it. Alex, tell us what October is. October is, is coming out month. And specifically, October 11th marks the anniversary of the March for the Gay and Lesbian Rights in D.C. that happened in 1987. Lots of things happened in October, actually. Yeah. We're going to go through some, some of the timeline. I do want to just also acknowledge that October 11th is also Indigenous Peoples Day. Yes. Which we're not going to talk about on this podcast because our podcast is about being queer. But shout out to maybe our two-spirit Indigenous friends that might be listening. Mm -hmm. Happy Indigenous Peoples Day. Mm -hmm. But for the purposes of this podcast, we're going to talk about LGBTQ History Month. Mm -hmm. All right, Alex, keep going. Keep going. Mm -hmm. So what is LGBTQ History Month? Um, in October, no, um, this 
honey, this is, this is, this is your part. Mm. I did the other part. Oh gosh. So you know how like, so yeah, here's the thing. Here's the, it was, here's the behind the scenes with Alex I and I actually made notes, yo. <laughs> you do have notes for tonight. I do. It's funny. Tina, shout out Tina, who I had dinner with last night was totally laughing at the fact that I usually am the one that's like, here are all my notes. And you were like, and my page is blank. And Tina got, cause she knows both of us and she, she got a huge kick out of it. But yeah, but for this, for this week, I don't have a lot of notes. I was feeling actually a little stuck. Um, but I do want to talk about a couple things that I did look up some history with. So yes. the month of October is LGBTQ history month. And it was started in 1994 by Rodney Wilson, who's a high school teacher in Missouri. So in 1995, there's a resolution that passed the general assembly of the national education association. And it basically says like, listen, we're going to, we are going to coincide history month with national coming out day, which is October 11th, which is also indigenous people's day, right? Which was once Columbus day, Yeah, which I think I've said on here before, He's a genocidal maniac. We're not celebrating his day. If you read the book, Lies, My History Teacher Told Me. You will never celebrate Columbus Day again. You'll never celebrate Columbus Day again. And he, and also listen to the podcast in a scene on radio, season two, Seeing White. And he talks about Columbus and how he tells on himself. Well, right. Like how he was supposed to come here and find gold. And when he didn't. He basically he, sold people. He just took and people. killed people. Yeah. So, so our country's built on crazy. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, moving on. Moving on. So, um, so the 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 original reason why we're celebrating this is because this is the anniversary of the first march on Washington for gay and lesbian rights in 1979. Um, the person there, there's there's this month is also going to include October 20th, which yes. is a really really big day for the LGBTQ community. Um, there's everything th- this week from ally week, um, which is really going to celebrate like who are allies against the people that bully within the LGT, right? Like the people, the allies that stand with us. Mm-hmm. And I'm also going to say, this is going to be, we're going to go a little dark for a bit, sure, but we're going to go dark because I, it is important that we acknowledge some of the history that has happened before us Mm -hmm. because Alex, you're going to bring it home for us and understanding that joy is an act of resistance. Yeah. Rebellion, rebellion and resistance and resiliency. And so we have to honor some of the things that came before us Mm -hmm. and some of the things that came before us are really dark. Yeah. I think, you know, like I'm the first, like I will go, I will go dark before I go light because I, I, or I will, it's, it's work sometimes to go light before dark, but dark, dark comes before light. I remember like early in our relationship. And I think, and I know that you're going to get to this and you're going to talk about this. Cause I saw, I, you shared your notes with me beforehand. We're so organized. My God, we're like <laughs> fucking professionals now. Like, can we cheers to that? For, oh my God. Yeah. We're like really turning into professional podcasters. But one of the things that you had noted, um, in your notes was, you know, it is a little bit about having to recognize darkness. And I know early in our relationship, this always, like, I really struggled with this when you would say this to me. And I think it's because I was suffering from toxic positivity. Oh yeah. 
right? Like this is one of the things I, I, you know, everything's fine. Everything's wonderful. Only look at the bright spots of life and you'll get through. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I've really learned, and I mean, I value so many things about you, not just the way you look in that t-shirt. There's so many things I value about you. one of the things that you, you have brought a lot of depth and complexity to my life is Kim, it's actually okay to look at the dark and the light because sometimes acknowledging the dark makes the light so much more potent and beautiful. Yeah. That's something you taught me. I think it's, oh, well, yeah, I guess I'll just take that in. Thank you. Take it in. Yeah. Okay. So part of why October is a big month for the LGTB community is the story of Matthew Shepard. Yeah. And you might probably actually get to this, but I was scanning, you know, your notes and I, I think I thought, well, I, I know that I, I, I thought that part of the date, the reason that the dates were the dates was because of Matthew and so maybe, maybe I should just actually pause and see where you're going because it's almost like a strange convergence, um, convergence of that. He died on the 12th. He did. And then the day that people marched was on the 11th and it was just, and we're talking was, about decades in between them. I know. Which and so is that's, bizarre. When I, when I read that and I put that together, I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. this is really so intensely so, powerful. Yeah. So for our listeners, there is, there is. Um, recognizing the fir- the date that people first marched. And then there's also recognizing the date that Matthew Shepard died. Right. Um, so we are going to go dark for a little bit Yeah. because it, it I don't want to forget what happened to Matthew Shepard and why it's still relevant today. And so just to like give some context to this, I was having a conversation with someone, I think it was two days ago. And I don't want to say this person's name because I don't know how, I know they listen to our podcast and we're personally and professionally connected, but I don't know like how out they are yet. So I don't want to say their name. Okay. So in this conversation with this person, we're, we're, we work together and we're going through the process of them feeling like they're finally in a workplace where they can actually come out. Mm-hmm. Okay. And when I said to them, I asked them, I'm like, tell me, tell me more. Like, I want to know more about what holds you back from being fully open. Mm-hmm. And there's no judgment in this. It's really just me wanting to understand where a person is. And their comment back to me is because Matthew Shepard wasn't that long ago. Hmm. And I'm really sitting with that because when they said it to me, you know, we were on the, we were on a rooftop, um, enjoying a little, you know, having a great, a great conversation. This is a person that I've met recently, but I like them because they push my thinking. (laughs) Right. And Mm -hmm. I love when people do that. I love to be intellectually challenged by someone. Yeah. And when they said that sentence to me, I got chills because I was like, right. It wasn't that long ago. Yeah. It, it, yeah. I still remember. Yeah. And we're at the, we're at the, we're at, we, we are at an anniversary of this. So I want to share a little bit because if you, some of our listeners might be like Matthew Shepard, I remember the name, but I don't really remember. So this is going to be dark for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, but the story, Matthew Shepard was born on December 1st, 1976. And he's born to Judy and Dennis Shepard in Casper, Wyoming. He's got an interesting upbringing. He, he um, 
moved around a little bit. He, he lived internationally with his family, but he, he had a great, they describe him as having a great passion for equality. Okay. And a lot of that was, was really shaped by the experiences that he had had abroad, had a real love for travel, um, making new friends across the world. College career did take him back to Wyoming where he studied political science, foreign relations, um, and different languages at the university of Wyoming and Laramie. I've been to Laramie. Have you been to Laramie? I did a drag show in Laramie. I think it was Laramie. Yeah, I did. It was at a hotel. Wyoming is a really interesting side note. Wyoming is a very interesting place. It's like a different planet. (laughs) (laughs) But in the middle of this different, I agree with you. It's a different planet, (laughs) but in the middle of this different planet, you guys go and do a drag show. Okay, oh my listeners. gosh. Do you hear that? Do you guys hear that? That's Captain Underbite. Okay. Pause for a second. I think we have to let him in the Sin room. Mama, let me in. He wants to learn about Matthew Shepard too. Again, we're a highly produced podcast. Okay. But getting, so, so Laramie's interesting because even, even though we're in this space that is not particularly known for being LGBT, LGB, LGP. Oh my goodness, guys. Zinfandel. LGBTQ friendly. Um, we also have a very large drag show that goes on that like how many people show up at that drag show in Wyoming? Oh, it was huge. Like, like a ballroom. It was massive. It's like, like, and I'm like, does every person that lives in the state of Wyoming that is somewhat in support? (laughs) Yeah. The only, yeah. So Anyway, you've been to that, but we've also been to in, in Fort. We go and spend some time in Fort Collins. We have amazing friends, um, Molly and Deirdre, that live there, and so we've spent a lot of time in Fort Collins. You lived in Fort Collins for a period of time. I did, and we get a lot of people that come down from Wyoming because they're like, "Yeah, there's no gay bars in Wyoming," so we come and drive over the over yeah. the border into Colorado. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, getting back to our history. Um, there's some horrific things that are going to happen. And so on the night of October 7th in 1998, it's unfortunately this night is going to become one of the most notorious anti-gay hate crimes in American history. Yeah. But it is going to spawn an activist movement that even now, decades later, I'm saying I'm sitting here across the table from you in 1998. I think I would, I was 22 years old. Um, and I'm still saying Matthew Shepard's name. Mm-hmm. So there is going to be a federal law that comes out of this that is going to connect Matthew Shepard and, and James Byrd Jr., which I will, I will um, also acknowledge him. But Matthew Shepard, this is, this, is, this is even hard for us to read, but I don't even want to say their names, but he was abducted. Um, he was tied to a split a split rail fence where two men assaulted him with the butt of a pistol. He was beaten and left to die in the cold of night. It is said that the only thing that was visible on his face was two white stripes down underneath his eyes because the rest of his face was covered in blood and the two white stripes being the tears that had washed away the blood that was coming from his eyes. So he was um, found by a cyclist the next morning. And the cyclist actually initially mistook him as a scarecrow. So Matthew was taken to the hospital in Fort Collins, Colorado with his family at his side. 
but he did die from this attack on October 12th at 12.53 a.m. So the life and death of Matthew Shepard, it changed the way we actually talk about and deal with hatred in America. Mm-hmm. So since his death, um, there was a Matthew Shepard Foundation, yeah. which any of you can go and um, support. His family has said they will keep the foundation open until the day they hope that they can close their doors. That day has not happened yet. Mm. In addition to the foundation um, that Matthew's family had founded, there is also a law that was written into uh, was written into the books, and it is the Matthew Shepard and James Byrd Jr. Hate Crime Prevention Act. It is a federal law. And it is against bias crimes directed at lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender people, and also people of color. So James Byrd, who um, is tied to this law with uh, Matthew Shepard, this is, I'm going to just say like trigger warning. James um, Byrd Jr. was an African-American man. He was murdered by three white supremacists in Jasper, Texas on June 7th of 1998. So the same, same year as Matthew Shepard, they dragged him from behind of a pickup truck for over three miles. And I don't want to go into too many details about how he actually died because he was alive when they were dragging him. Two of the men that were, were sentenced in this, they have been executed. One of the men that, that was a part of this has been sentenced to life imprisonment. He is not even eligible for parole until 2038. I'm just going to say, I, I hope those two souls that were, I am, I'm typically not in favor of the death penalty, but in this case, I'm going to say, may your souls burn. (laughs) And yeah, this other person, I don't want to even, I don't even want to draw attention to their names. I hope he rots. So this is, and where I'm going to turn it over to Alex, because listeners, you might be like, Jesus, Kim and Alex, why are you bringing us down? I listened to your podcast and learned <laughs> how to be a good ally and to find joy. But when you are queer and you are a person of color and you are hearing these things in the news and you are um, living in some state of fear, the journey of joy It is a conscious act. Yeah. So do we want to pause for a minute and then come back to, cause we're on a journey for joy. Yeah. I, th- I think I, I also want to acknowledge, like, I don't really know the best or how to say it, but like, so James Bird Jr. was born in 1949 um, and died in 1998. Like I didn't, I didn't know about him. Right. Even and, though his name is tied to a federal law with Matthew Shepard. Yeah. But like Matthew Shepard is this is, was like a, a white cis gay, um, man that was all over the news. And James Bird was not. And James Bird, who was a black man or African-American man. Um, was not. Mm -hmm. And that's a problem. (laughs) Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, but 
you know, I don't even want to say, but, and, and, yeah. and this is the dark, I guess that we, we, we have to recognize about our country's history. Mm-hmm. It is dark. It is brutal. It is gruesome. And we continue to erase black and brown bodies mm-hmm. from the narrative. So while I understand, oh, dinner, the doorbell just rang. <laughs> on that note. On that no, note. And no, sorry, well, it's so fucking insensitive, well, but uh, this is like. Finish your sentence. Well, I was just going to say, you know, the purpose of our podcast is essentially to acknowledge what queer joy looks like. Yeah. And I said this to you the other day that part of where I recognize my own joy is also recognizing that when I first came out, right? So it's national coming out month. When I first came out, you know, who stood with me? Who? Black women. (laughs) It was first people that stood with me and held my hand were black women. Well, it was your buddy Spencer, right? Who was (laughs) like, you need to do this. You need to do this and you can do this. So just do it. Just do it. Yeah. Oh, I don't know that you should pour more in my glass. Maybe I should. I don't know about that. Okay. Will it be in my favor later? <laughs> I'll be quiet. <laughs> my parents listen to this shit. Alex. I love you. <laughs> All right. So listeners take this in. This is a good place to pause. Alex and I are going to drink a little more wine. We're going to go eat some dinner and then we're going to come back with bro friend. Yes. And we're going to talk about joy. We're going to talk about joy. All right. Yep. We'll be back. We'll we'll be back. And we're back. Alex, you know, like I'm looking at, cause we, we do this with zoom. Yes. And we forgot to mention our sponsor. Anyway. Okay. (gasps) We do this through, through zoom and you know how, like, so listeners, like everybody, you have like your little picture Mm -hmm. of yourself. Yours is so cute. Is it? Oh, look at your little face face. and your little spiky blonde hair. (laughs) He's so cute. Yeah. Okay. We're sponsored by Youth Scene. Youth Scene. I use Zoom to record it. Thank you, Youth Scene, for supporting us. Yes. S E E N. Go check them out on YouthScene.org. Go to their donate page and give us some money. Send some funds. Okay. And Captain Underbite says, please go give money. <laughs> Sponsored by sponsored by Captain Underbite. Who's who's on Prozac? Oh, he's our dog is on Prozac. He is, and he's delightful. Is that what we're calling him? I mean, he doesn't eat couches anymore. He did eat a couch. Yeah. <laughs> he ate couches and pillows and he peed on the oldest child's bed repeatedly. Because I think they were in a struggle for dominance. And then he looks at you with his big brown eyes and he's and like, his underbite. And his underbite. And he's like, I'm adorable. And I'm like, you're manipulating me. <laughs> will not be manipulated. But now we drug him. Now we drug him. He's fine. <laughs> <laughs> we give him, we give him like, we put beer in his, and no, I'm kidding. We don't. We don't give him alcohol, no, but we, we do. We do. The, the Prozac is prescribed by a veterinarian. Yes. On a serious note, it brings his anxiety down to a level where he could actually be trained and like not he can absorb. Yes. He can absorb the commands because now you call him and he, and he comes to the, wherever, you know, yeah, he the listens. top of the stairs and he listens. He's like, yes. What do you need? He's no longer eating sofas. He's no longer eating sofas. 
That was a dark we day. Could, we could <laughs> we could take that to another level, but I'll just oh keep my it. god. I know. See, this is the realness, Kim. This is what you're gonna marry. Are you ready? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know it. I keep reminding you, my parents listen is to it, this. Is it harmless? Maybe a little not. Okay, I'll be quiet. Do you Bye. want me to show you my bicep again? I do. <laughs> Look at that shit. Yeah, it's popping. Can I do like a little shout out to mm-hmm. what I've been doing? Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to make this really quick because, you know, I am not sponsored by them, but there's um, a thing called Hot Works. H O T W R X. It's not a restaurant. It's not a restaurant. I know our, our neighbor, they were like, oh, maybe there's like hot, spicy food there. Not hot, spicy food, but you, you work out in a sauna with infrared heat. Mm -hmm. Um, so the room is heated to like 125 degrees Yeah, and you work out in it and it is amazing. I'm, I'm kind of addicted. So now I go six days a week Mm -hmm. and I sweat my ass off Uh and you just use body weight or you use like bands for resistance. You do a lot of core work, a lot of core work, a lot of squatting. Um, but I'm kind of obsessed. Yeah. I love it. You're rocking it. Look at you want me to flex again? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. There you go. Yep. Hi. Is that your finding uh, your joy? This is me finding is part, my joy. Part, everything. Okay. Little things, big things. Is it okay? So so all right, back, w- w- focus. <laughs> we're here to talk about again, we're on the journey of queer joy. Queer joy coming out with joy. And we're recognizing that October is a month where there's a lot of, of darkness that we, we have to acknowledge for the lives that have passed before us. And how does that balance then when the, 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 the threat and darkness is, is actually really real. Mm-hmm. How do you also live in joy? Yes. It reminds me of the quote by one of my absolute f- favorite singers. Sarah McLaughlin. Yeah, you love her. I do. She, you know, like she, well, I'll just, I'll say what she said. Um, She said, if you have a lot of darkness, you probably have a lot of light. Okay. And I remember reading that in my twenties and being like, okay, I know I have a lot of dark. Now, where's my light? And I just kind of like kept that was kind of always in the back of my head. I don't know. So do you feel like you found your light? Yes. And I have to revisit my dark to keep seeing my light to stay, okay. to, to stay in light. It's, it's you, you, they're not, you can't have one without the, without the other. Yeah. And I think I was saying a couple of minutes ago, like this has been part of um, the, 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 this has been part of my learning with you is that I think for a long time, I participated in toxic positivity where I purposely wouldn't want to see the dark because I thought only recognizing light was going to be the way to get to joy. And when you, I think you've shared obviously that quote, that quote with me before about no, 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 like you, you have to acknowledge both. Yeah. It's deeply uncomfortable though, right? It's deeply uncomfortable to talk about like the part of the reason we celebrate history this month that we're going to celebrate, you know, national coming out day that we're going to celebrate pronouns day 
is because of what happened to Matthew Shepard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot of light is, be- is, is yeah. Is coming from dark. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to sit in the discomfort because sometimes my toxic positivity can be like, no, only look at the, the bright side of, of, of pride. And, and so we have, we do have the month of June. So people might be asking like, well, why is, why is October different than June? Right. And June is the anniversary of Stonewall, which mm-hmm. we've talked about on this podcast. Mm-hmm. So in June, we recognize pride in October, we recognize history. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about what joy is looking like for you, Alex. So mine, you know, dear listeners, we joked a couple of a bit, uh, episodes ago about how, you know, Kim had her map of, of notes and I always have a map, map of words and, and in a, in an effort to always, you know, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing sometimes. And I know that making notes and I love writing and you that, do that making notes is obviously really important. It helps organize ourselves. So this is, this is what, um, we were talking over messenger earlier and I was like, you know, it was kind of rhetorical, but also like, how do we bring back joy? So when I read that from you, I was like, well, it comes from the dark and, um, I'm like, okay, so h- how do I like, you know, what's my angle? So, um, I mean, do I just kind of go into what I wrote? <laughs> See, this is where I'm like, what do I do? <laughs> go, 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 go. What, what you wrote today. And I, I read it. I really, I really loved it. So read to us the parts that you want to share. So here's one part. So finding joy as a queer person is a radical act. Finding joy is the only way to beat the system. It has to become a way of life. The oppressors, the haters, the system is all built to hate us. And that is a constant stress. We can't change who we are, but we can change how we view the world. And isn't that a part of what it means to be human? Oh, bro friend's back. Bro friend's joining us. How you doing, bro friend? Oh, okay. Do you need a minute? Okay. Okay. We'll keep going. Um, so I'll go backwards a little bit that. Basically, I was saying that for the same ways that our system oppressed people of color and LGBTQ people in rights, in the way that we're treated, um, and that access is granted, um, the, the systems also are built to suppress joy, and they intertwine. And, and because joy is a way to thrive, it's a way to keep going, the systems are set up that, that queer people don't have joy. It basically says, you don't have a right right to joy because you don't follow me this 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 white cis het um het sister yeah um i wrote in my shorthand white cis het system heteronormative but in but it's built in that the system will argue with you it'll confuse you on purpose it'll provoke you it'll bully you it'll intimidate you it'll deflect your feelings it'll attack you it'll lie to you and project harm onto you to prevent you from actually seeing yourself and what you deserve and the system itself is inherently does not want you to ever find joy because if you do it means it loses and against all odd as a queer community we have built we have to be built to overcome built to um built to simply desire to love and to want to be ourselves um 
keep going. Keep going. <laughs> so that knowing that we live in this this kind of system of where of where who we really are is not welcome. It's going to be up to us and up to individuals to groups that joy has to be an absolute part of our survival and everyday choice because the odds are stacked against us and even further further implications for the QT BIPOC community. And we're asked every day in the face of it all, how do you find joy? Joy might be like a, a benevolent force, but it's also the annoying five-year-old that's asking why, where, how, what, where will you find me? It is positively, I said in quotes, relentless because it's it's it, it's rooted in the in the desire to live. We have to have it to live. If we want it in my in my in my humble kind of like I think we have to have it to live. So the system breathes, it, it, it breathes down your neck, it snarls in your face, you can stare back at it, you stare, stare back in the face and you say, Oh, you want to try to steal my joy, motherfucker? Not today. Not today, because I have a choice. I have a, a choice to control my thoughts, my energy, and my words. I like that. So where do we find joy? I have lots of places I find joy. I really love that, though. The not today, motherfucker. Not today, motherfucker. Can we pause on that statement for a second? Yep. Okay. So I had an interesting conversation with someone this week about just that about how much as individuals we have the opportunity of whether or not we seek joy and say to the, to, to the hate, to the, to the bigotry, to the oppression, how much you have the privilege to say, not today, motherfucker, I'm going to live in joy. And that it's a choice. Mm -hmm. We had a really interesting conversation about it because on one hand, feeling like I'm not sure that everyone has that privilege to say that because there's issues of safety. Um, there's issues of still needing to hide. Yeah. Um, and your personal safety matters above everything else. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But there's something about that. Not today, motherfucker. <laughs> now I say this as white woman and I'm straight passing unless I'm walking around with you. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I'm either licking your face or holding your hands. It's <laughs> my dead giveaway. <laughs> But for the most part, like it's different for me to choose joy and to be like resilient and like in your face motherfuckers than it is for other folks. Right. So I have to acknowledge that. Yeah. And this person like really pushed back on that was like, but is it I'm like, well, I don't know. I guess I'm interested in thinking about that from people, from, from other people that maybe don't experience the same privileges that I do, mm -hmm. how that feels. Mm -hmm. We've got bro friend with us tonight. And they're sitting at the table with us and they're pondering everything that we're saying. So yeah. Alex is going to put a microphone on them. What do you think about that, bro friend? That it is kind of a privilege um, to experience joy um, because you have to take into account all identities, right? So there is this privilege that we have. Um, I guess I always go back to a conversation that, um, and it wasn't a conversation, it was very heated between you and I, Kim. Oh, we sometimes get um, into we, it. We get, we get into it. We get into it. And I always go back to the conversation around 
January 6th. Oh my God. It was such a horrible day. And how horrendous that was. Mm -hmm. And it was that moment where while we were sitting and practically saying the same thing, Mm -hmm. we were saying it really differently. We were saying it very differently, but also understanding that privilege of mm, the filter of perspective Mm -hmm. and experience. Mm -hmm. And how many times that I have been told over the years, like it is a choice to experience joy. And while it is my choice, it is also my decision to stay safe within that joy and having that joy protected Mm -hmm. because essentially black joy has been outlawed for so long that when people come together, like, you know, there's that conversation around if there's too many black people in a room, we got to watch out because that means something's happening when in fact, we're just trying to come together Mm -hmm. and experience joy. But what it also means to be able to come into a group and know that there is safety in numbers and we're starting to get to a point of that being okay, that we can gather, that we can come into space and take up space and experience that joy that we have heard about so much and be able to experience it with the people that we love around us. You know, is this a hard episode? Cause I'm sitting across the table from two people that I, I love so hard in so many ways and to hear you both express what it looks like to step into joy, like talk about a gift, yeah. you know, for anybody out there that you got your people and you have your people that you love. And then I mm-hmm. think one of the biggest joys in life you can experience is witnessing those people experience joy. So bro friend, I saw you experience joy this weekend, <laughs> this past weekend. So listeners look up, um, black pride, Colorado, mm-hmm. and you'll know what we're talking about, but bro friend is the head of one of the co-founders of black pride, Colorado, and they have put on in their very short existence of like six months, <laughs> very short, six months, <laughs> tell people a little bit about what black pride Colorado is, why it exists, the importance of it existing. And then the two amazing things that you guys have been able to do. As you know, I'm also terrible at talking about. I know, I'm going to do it. Just keep going. Jump in, so, the water's warm. Black, <laughs> Black Pride um, was started uh, by my co-creator, uh, Tyrell, a.k.a. Miss Zara, who is a phenomenal drag queen in Denver. Um, we first had the conversation in February. It was on Valentine's Day, which is always funny to us. Um, and it was just, it was a quick conversation. It was, what if, what if we could do this and specifically in Colorado? And I I don't even know what the data is at this point with, with Colorado, that it's what 80% white, something like that, something like that. Um, and we were talking about coming out of COVID, not that we have come out of COVID still very strong, but having the vaccines and being able to, to go out and, and to gather again. 
And in February, it was very much like, "Mm, it was just a thought. And then it was in April that we both were just like, no, we need to do this. And, and this being to create black, black pride, Colorado, black pride, Colorado, which is really just a, a reason um, an excuse essentially to come together and practice joy, just engage in it and just show up and show out and be our best selves. Um, within what was it, six to eight weeks, we were able to do three major events. We worked with Juneteenth here in Pride. And they were amazing at supporting us and making sure that we had the resources that we need to take up that space and to engage in all of that joy. And they participated with us in celebrating our joy as well. Um, How awesome it was to have a gala (laughs) and had the Dyke March folks come out and do security, which was amazing. (laughs) So you have like this gigantic crowd of queer Black folks just living our best lives and around the perimeter are white dykes and how quickly they they were able to take control over a couple of white folks who were trying to come in and being like, oh, we're just gonna come in and like interrupt the party. And it was just like, nope, you don't get to do that. And them escorting them out and making a deal out of it, which was awesome. Um, watching these drag shows with just amazing performers coming in, all black cast. Um, and then, we took a little break, came back for this weekend, and we did a ball and really celebrated the ballroom culture here in Denver and the houses that were already here and really honoring what it was that they have already set the, the path for. And we had people from out of state coming in and just, again, showing up and showing out and like living our best lives and performing for each other and like the outfits that were that were coming in I was just I was amazed and as I was sitting at the door and hearing these babies and I say babies because they're like 18 to 22 23 coming in from oh I'm coming in from Kansas I'm coming in from North Dakota like I saw this online and I wanted to be a part of it like I had tears in my eyes the entire time it went until three o'clock in the morning (laughs) I'm still trying to come back from that but Alex and I made it till 2 a.m. And then we were like, we got to go <laughs> home and go to bed. bed. <laughs> but it was, it's being able to see other queer Black folks in a way that like, when when we're out in, you know, the real world, um, it's a head nod being like, yep, I see you, but I'm not going to engage with you because like, I don't know who's around. Um, but being in a space where it was like, we don't actually care. Like we're just going to be ourselves and um, let our let our true selves come through. So I'm gonna pause for a second because I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say a lot of our listeners, they may not know what we're talking about when we talk about a black ball. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I'm gonna tell you to do, listeners, is I just watched the final edit that Lindsay Ford, who is a multimedia journalist with Rocky Mountain Public Media, which yes, that is where I work. Lindsay and I and Tara, we worked on, it's about a nine minute um, story that you can watch to understand a little bit deeper what bro friend here is talking about. Um, But what black, what black ballroom culture Mm -hmm. actually is white folks, you're going to think of Madonna 
and you're going to think of the video Vogue. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to tell you, it is going to be deeply uncomfortable for you when you start recognizing what this actually is and how it was completely appropriated by Madonna. Mm -hmm. So sorry, I know all my other Gen Xers out there that you were dancing around in your bedrooms, Vogue and loving on that video. There's a real history there um, that you need to probably go check out. I always say this, like, remember, there's no shame in not knowing, but once you do know, it is your responsibility to go and know. So you can, I'm going to ask bro friend here, tell us a little bit about what, what we're talking about when we say black ball. So a couple of other resources, Paris is burning is another, Mm. um, documentary that is really good to watch. Um, and it really talks about in New York city, how it was started and some of the founding houses, um, that are still going strong and our national houses, um, and ballroom culture was really started to keep, um, our young folks, black and brown folks off the streets in the middle of the night. So it was, they would go into whatever spaces they could get into, um, and provide that roof over their head overnight so that they weren't at the piers, they weren't on the streets. Um, but also during the AIDS epidemic, um, it's how people were finding resources. People were showing up there, um, and making sure that they were getting connected with the doctors. Um, so yeah, that's why it really started. It was in New York city. 1968, I want to say it was 1968. Um, and then it just kept, it was very quiet, um, cause it's very underground. Um, and then it's just kept going and still going strong today. So some of like, and Alex, because you being a drag performer, you had like a really strong reaction to seeing. So Alex and I listeners, we got to go to the black fantasy ball and we were blown away. And we're blown away on two, at least on two levels that you and I talked about. Right. So can you talk a little bit about like as a drag performer and as a really celebrated drag performer, like, what did you think when you like, were starting, cause we had this fascinating conversation and I know I'm throwing this for a loop, but do you, can you like recount for our, our listeners when you and I talked about like what we learned from participating in the black ball, like what you learned as an actual performer? I think. Oh gosh, so many things um, that like all of our all the all of the queer movements are have are from Black trans women, and learning, and I knew that about gay rights and gay and lesbian things, but I think you know like the deeper about specifically with with drag. Um, just knowing where it came from and also being like, oh my, I I didn't know, you know, like, like acknowledging like, right. (laughs) Just like, oh God. (laughs) Um, And, and then just walking into the black ball and then on an energetic level, just being like, it's like a I mean, how it feels just the, and like no drag show that I was ever in that I've ever been to ever felt like that. Like there's nothing like it. And I'm like, right. And this, this is how joy feels. This is when people are feeling when they're resonating 
enjoy like, and it, how it just shakes the whole room. That's a really good description of it, right? That when, um, when, you, when we were in the room and there's a couple hundred people in there and they did a very good job of keeping us safe with, with, you know, you had the vaccinated temperature checks. So like, if you're freaking out and ready to like, come at us, like take a seat, it was fine. Um, but it was, you know, it's, it's just, I guess it was just so interesting because we have been on this topic and the three of us obviously spend a lot of time together and we talk about joy a lot and what joy looks like and how we're all kind of on this individual journey that looks different for all of us because we're all different people. I'm a lesbian, Alex, you're non-binary bro friend. How you want to tell everybody you identify? Cause we didn't actually introduce you. <laughs> is this is the first time they've been? Well, they've been on with Ren. Yeah. yeah. I'm on with Ren. Um, identify as queer. Um, it's funny. I just had a conversation today, like how, like what that actually means. And someone asked me like, did you ever identify as a lesbian? And I was like, I don't think I did. No, really? like, you were I always queer. I was, it was either always queer or gay. Yeah. Um, cause those are the, those are the two that felt comfortable, but lesbian, I mean, it, I feel like lesbians very aggressive, like lesbian, <laughs> like it's, I don't even know how, like, <laughs> it's just so interesting to me because I'm the person that identifies as being a lesbian. And if anyone was to see a visual of the three of us, they'd probably be like, I'm the least aggressive looking, but it's, but it's funny because like, even when you say it, it's like soft and gentle, but like when I hear it from other people, they're like lesbian, like in your face. So yeah. I'm a lesbian. <laughs> Hi. Okay. I'm a lesbian and I want to look like JLo. <laughs> you kind of do. So there's that. <laughs> oh, my favorite dreams I do. Okay. <laughs> but you identify as queer. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. And you are the head of Black, like- Pri- <laughs> Black Pride Colorado, as well as, can I say all the things you're a part of? Yep. Sure. Youth Scene. Mm-hmm. You're the co-founder of Youth Scene. Mm-mm. Founder of founder Youth of Youth Scene, mm-hmm. not Co. Mm-mm. Oh, that's founder all you of Youth Scene, and then co-creator of Black Pride. And you are my co-lead mm-hmm. over at RMPM. Mm-hmm. You big deal. You are a big deal. I mean, am I? I, I mean, think I'm you're just, a big deal. I'm just out here trying to do things like <laughs> people. Aren't we all <laughs> right. Like that's. I mean, I think that's a part of Black joy, right? Like, and just experiencing joy in in its finest um, is that people open the door and then like I come in I barge in and I just start running and you know whatever I can take I'm gonna go um because those those opportunities weren't afforded to me previously so any opportunity that comes at me I'm running with it being like oh you're gonna you're gonna pass it to me all right I'm out like let me know what you need you're past the goal line we're, <laughs> we're, we're already keep doing going. the it's dance like a <laughs> just gonna keep going <laughs> so in our topic of uh, so Alex and I were talking about, and I think you, you, we're, we're, you know, we do this in such a professional way that we're like in and out of conversation. We sometimes have to pause for captain underbite children, food, all the things, mm-hmm. but we, we have been, as you know, cause you sponsor and listen to our podcast and you're also like our family. We spend a lot of time together. Um, you know, that we've been on a journey for joy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you have to say to us about that? Oof. I know it has been a journey. It has been a roller coaster ride. Um, you know, I think so. 
when I often think about joy, especially with you two, there is a level of intimacy that I don't think we ever really talk about when it comes to that joy. And I think the more that we, as a family, have been able to experience it, um, that level of intimacy gets deeper, right? Like when you two talk about your celebration, like mm-hmm. I, I can't keep it in my face. Like the tears just start coming out because I look at it that this has been a journey for y'all for how long? Yeah. Four years. And I have the privilege of being there and watching from an outside perspective, but then also getting to be inside and watching, um, yelling at people at Costco that we're in a throuple, which is always (laughs) hilarious to me. But let's being, just break it down. People stare at us yeah. when the three of us are I, going I out. I was going to yell at the lady in the towel section, like, what are you looking at? <laughs> yeah, listeners, we have this experience a lot where you guys have heard, like when Alex and I go places that one of the common like microaggressions we get is, is when we try to check out of places, when servers bring us our check, they always question of whether or not we're together, mm-hmm. which is just, it's just weird. Mm-hmm. And so then it's super fun when the three of us go out places. Cause now people just don't know what the fuck they to have do. No, they have no idea. They have no idea. They look at me and Alex and then they look at you, Kim. And they're always like, um, what is happening? What's this nice cisgender <laughs> white girl doing with you guys? Um, but there have been listeners, just so you know, there have been places where we have been re- refused service mm-hmm. when the three of us have been together. Mm-hmm. This is a real thing that we deal with. Mm-hmm. Another real thing we deal with is people staring and stopping to where Alex almost like popped their guns one day <laughs> and was and said to some Karen in the middle of Costco who just couldn't help staring at us while we were trying to pick out towels for your new house, mm-hmm. just was openly staring at us because she couldn't figure out who was with who or what the fuck we were. Mm-hmm. And Alex kind of like, you know, <laughs> looked at her and was like, what are you looking at, Karen? <laughs> It was super comfortable. <laughs> she went off to the muffin section. I'm yep. sure she's fine. She's fine. She got some smoked salmon. She, she got a rotisserie chicken. She's great. Her two pack of bagel. <laughs> she's great. Uh, yep. yep. So the three of us have been through a lot of experiences, a lot of experiences together, but mm-hmm. we have all three of us in our own way been talking about finding more joy. Mm-hmm but that level of intimacy that comes with this, um, even as you two are talking about your celebration, um, anytime that we like even start talking about the planning aspect, like it, it overwhelms me in a good way because one, I know the celebration is going to be amazing because of how many people are going to be there to celebrate you two and the love that you share. And the fact that you've given so many people hope again around what it means to like have that, that idea of love. Like I was mad at Disney for lying to me for so long. And then all of a sudden you two show up (laughs) and I'm like, oh, well maybe Disney wasn't lying. Like I will give it back to them. But also like Disney, (laughs) Disney, I was real mad. I also worked there. So there there's that part. Um, That's a whole other podcast. That's a whole different podcast. (laughs) But being able to look at you two and like that fairy tale that 
every one of us grow up with. And as you become an adult, sometimes goes away. Like you give me hope. You have given other people hope that like, there's still a chance out there that, you know, to find someone that you can walk into Costco with and watch them lick your face. Like that's important. Alex does lick my face in public. I mean, this is true. (laughs) This does happen. But going back, it is about that, that level of intimacy that comes with it. And to know that I get to participate in that joy with you, like I'm going to be crying the entire day and just letting it all fall. Um, but also just knowing that there was some ups and downs. Oh yeah. I mean, and partly like, this is what I, we we've been talking about and Alex, I'm going to make you talk about this a lot because the words that you wrote were really, were really beautiful in this, but that there is no way to joy without actually just being an accepting of yourself. Mm-hmm. You can't, you can't really get there. Mm-hmm. And, and where I've personally been struggling and um, you guys both know this. And I did say this to our listeners the other day is that hiding is more like known to me than it is to be out and in celebration. Like it's more comfortable for me to be like, let me put some armor on and let me go hide myself and who I am and all the, all the joy that I want to feel. And it's almost like a conscious choice I have to make every day to be like, drop the armor, step out of the closet, let people see you and be over the fucking top and joy and love. Because that is actually how I feel, how I feel when I wake up next to you every morning. And I'm like, oh shit, fuck damn, this actually happens. I'm actually here. Um, and like you said, it's not, it's not. I can't listen. It was, and I always like, get really like, um, nervous about saying this. Cause I know we have a lot of people that listen to us that are struggling with coming out. And so I don't say this in any way to be like, stay in the closet. Do not stay in the closet. Mm-hmm. If you can find a way to safely, safely come out, come out, come out, face it, have the conversations because you're worth it. And your happiness and your joy are worth it at the same time it is a choice every day that I make Mm -hmm. because the closet is more familiar to me than being out. Mm -hmm. And I know you've gone through this too. And there's a, there's a part that you wrote about that I'm going to make you talk about, because when you said what joy is, I'm like, that's what fucking joy is to me. Do you remember the part I'm talking about? I'm going to make you read it. The the one liner or the one line. Yeah, that joy is a radical act of rebellion. That part. Yes. Say it again. Say Even it. the dog. Did you guys hear that? <laughs> that was Bo. I don't know that I want him participating. Captain Underbite. <laughs> in a radical <laughs> anything. <laughs> but say that sentence again for us. Joy is a radical act of rebellion in this world of insurmountable challenges. That's what I wrote. Okay. Now I want you to tell me what you were feeling when you wrote that. Um, well, I went, I wrote about like different examples of what joy is. Um, and I guess I'll jump to the part. I don't even know where to begin, I guess. Um, I'll jump to the part part about that finding joy, that, that joy will, will always be there 
unconditional, un, un, unconditionally like, like love. Um, so it's a really, when I was writing it, it, I was like, this is a really like a 3D sphere. And I was sort of put it into words, but that you have to get, you have to be vulnerable to get to joy. But um, there's like emotion, it feels like, and you can, you can jump in bro friend. Cause you're like that, like the PhD of like psychology here, but that emotions will gatekeep other emotions. And so, um, should I just keep, should I keep going? Okay. Um, I'm all like, now I'm like, Oh my God. Um, that is, is the process of joy simply trying to find, trying to have an awareness of something bigger than ourselves, knowing that we're going to get sucked back down and that finding joy is accepting that it's a choice. Yeah. Yeah. I said that part. Um, is it knowing that we just can't take it, we can't ever take it for granted. And that, that it's like you're saying, it's, it's waking up every morning and being like, today I choose joy. And it's maybe, and for a in some, some days it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm alive. Yay. I'm alive. Um, sometimes it's the more over the top moments. Um, but I think it goes back to I think back to the systems when it's, if it's this act of rebellion, if we're against like everything is stacked up, like that, well, you actually help me. Cause I don't know. I, yeah. I think what I took your sentence to be about it being a rebellion, um, resiliency, a resistance. It was, I think when I, when I learned how to be queer, right. Cause I've been queer since the day I was born, but when I learned how to be, it was when I was finally going to say to the world, you've been telling me not to be this for as long as I can remember. And I'm not going to do that anymore. Right. And that was the act of rebellion. Yes. And that was when I started to find joy. Yeah. Oh, this was the part I was looking for. Yeah. Along what you're saying. So, um, it's that the vulnerability gives way to more joy, which becomes a value over time, which we hope integrates into our state of being, I guess, like you're saying. Bro friends got a look on their face. Totally. Go for it. I don't know. I just went philosophical on that one. Yeah. What does it mean for like the state of being? Yeah. Like I, I guess I need clarification on that because like I'm I'm kind of pulling that in. And by kind of it's based off of how I know you experience joy and the way that you express it and the way that you talk about it. And it's very, it's very expressive. But most times when you ask someone what it means, what joy means for them, most people can't explain it. So like, that's where, that's where I'm sitting 
with that. Mm. You both turned and looked at me at the same time. <laughs> no, I, I, I mean, truthfully, up until a certain turning point in my life, what I experienced as joy was, was, was real, right? There's children being born and, um, conversations with my kid's father that we had over the years, um, laughter with friends, goofiness, um, sunrises, sunsets, spaces in nature. There's also joy in understanding a larger purpose than yourself of, um, being a part of some type of movement. Um, I've learned a lot about, um, how sometimes white women participate in movement and activism, that if you can get past the performative part of it, it does really become very joyous. If you can move past the white saviorism of it and knowing at a higher power that your, your joy is going to come from not necessarily walking through doors yourself, but making sure that they're open in a way. So there's, there's lots of different ways. Like when we talk about joy, there's lots of different ways that I experienced and have experienced joy. It's not to say that before I came out, I never experienced it. Of course I did. Um, but I, the more we talk about it, the more I come to this deep foundational thing in my guts that says, you've gotten to a point in life where you just don't give a fuck what anybody is going to think or say, or throw at you. Cause you've gotten yourself this far. So it doesn't matter what they're going to throw at you. And believe me, it's been fucking thrown. I'm still fucking here. Um, there's a resiliency and a knowingness and, and Glennon Doyle. Like I know I, it's interesting because a lot of people have told me recently how they don't like her. I'm like, I still like her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's got a lot of great things to say, but she was one of the people that really wrote about your knowing and how much joy you can find if you can listen to your knowing and then act on it mm-hmm. where you're so secure in yourself that you stop second, second guessing really like everything that you do. There's a lot of fucking joy in that and that resiliency of self. And that's more than being queer. That's just being human. Mm-hmm. I think with just being queer, there was an element of it that when I wasn't able to live authentically in all the ways that I was, it made me doubt everything that I was. And I don't really live with that anymore. I know you don't either. You used to put 50 outfits on before you left the room every day. Yeah, but it it's it shows up. It's it's layers. I think it's like I, I'm I'm I know who I am. I know my my gender gender identity and my sexuality, and then I'm queer and certain labels or things. But then it's almost like okay, you've gotten that figured out and you know how to find joy in this part of you, this part of your identity. What's, what's the next thing you got to start working on because it's never ending. And so, yeah. Um, I still deal. I mean, I guess we, maybe I'm, I mean, I can only speak for myself, but maybe it's, it's because what I'm working through right now of like, what does it really, really mean? And it's always being questioned of like confidence. Where is my voice? How am I being secure in who I am? Cause it's always being so- something or it's always going to be out there of like, yeah, no, you're not. And it's like, no, I am. 
And it's so, yeah. I'm here, motherfuckers. And I'm still here. I'm here. Still here. I'm going to show up. That was my motto this past week. Show up, stand up, speak up. And I think a part of it, specifically with this past week, was just like, I'm I'm physically here. (laughs) I'm, I'm, I'm smiling and I'm, you know, anyway, it comes in layers. It does. When I think you live in a world that's been consistently telling you what not to be, it is pretty, pretty joyous to stand there and be like, but I'm still here, but I'm here, (laughs) but I'm still here. Mm -hmm. And what about you, bro friend? What's joy looking like for you today? Joy is looking like being with y'all. That's joy. Um, Joy is love. That's what it is for me today. And feeling very grateful um, for the spaces that I get to occupy and have the privilege to be a part of. Um, Joy is intimacy and being able to I think one of my favorite things is literally walking into your house and being absolutely ridiculous. And you both just sit there and you're like, oh, okay, so it was a good day. Cool. <laughs> and you keep it moving. Um, that's joy that I can show up. However, and y'all are just like, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. so talk to me a little bit. Cause you both go into this, like there's like new moons and energy and all this shit. Like, what am I supposed to be doing tonight when I go to bed? Well, I mean, the new moon was yesterday. So I missed it. You missed him, but it's a new, it's, you got three days. It's okay. a new moon in Libra. And that's when you're supposed to be putting your intentions out there. Um, and this new moon was about manifesting. It was pretty powerful because um, the new moon was at the same time that the sun was starting to rise on the East coast. So a lot of folks were being told to like, you know, be ready for when the new moon is coming. Um, But it's really just about manifesting your dreams. But I think that's, that's what joy is, right? Like, really putting in your head, yeah, I can do this. and No one's going to stop me from this. Because the more you tell me I can't do it, the more I'm going to do it. Rebellion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about you, Al? I was just going to say, one of the things that I wrote was that joy for me is is one of the things that make it possible to keep seeing beauty in no matter what's happening because i think joy is a part of survival and yeah <laughs> say it i just I'm awkward when I speak sometimes, or that's my insecurity talking that I'm more confident on paper, but that um, long pause, long pause. Um, I don't know. I'm going to give it back to somebody else. I hate when you do that to me. <laughs> Because all I want to know is like, what were you going to say? (laughs) All right. We got any more thoughts on joy for this week? Going once, going twice. Oh, they're coming back. Who's got it? I I think you can do it. Being awkward AF. 
it happens, but I think you can do it. Um, so sometimes it feels like that, that, that joy is just the idea that, um, if you have the ability to feel anything at all, that is joy. Mm. Um, because if joy is vulnerable and vulnerability is our best friend and also our worst enemy that will push us forward and hold us back. Um, it's like joy lives in the little box and, and, and vulnerability is the bouncer. And then dancing out in front is toxic positivity. And both of them are watching and mm-hmm. laughing um, because vulnerability knows that and enjoy and vulnerability like talk to each other through the walls and um but vulnerability is always going to kind of guard joy like i got you you just stay in there you stay safe and joy is like get me out motherfucker like i'm like you'll have to keep me contained because joy doesn't know it almost it's like it doesn't even know what it means to feel scared it just knows itself. Um, but they can't exist without each other. Um, so I think joy knows what it's worth and that it's always trying to just convince vulnerability that it deserves to take up space and to come out and to be visible. Deserves to take up space. That's so, yeah, that sentence just, yes, your joy deserves to take up space. Um, and I just wonder how many of us have just denied it that for how long and that's a, I'm just sitting with that for a minute, um, of just, oh boy, <laughs> if captain, that's not captain underbite. That's Rosie. She's not happy. Um, <laughs> Rosie is taking up her joyous space right now. Um, I wonder how many, how many, because I always, you know, picture that the, the people that listen to us are like, they're all Gen X, right? I don't know why, which is silly that I have that assumption. Um, but for Gen X, people that identify as, as female, like, I wonder how many of us feel that, that um, taking up space and taking up joy was like really drilled into us not to do and how we really just deconstruct that. And there's some people that I, I think I have seen take up joy, but then I'm like wondering now as an adult, like how much of that was, was toxic positivity, right? Look at me. I'm so happy. I'm so happy. Everything's so wonderful. It was so wonderful because they didn't want to look at the real shit that was going on. Um, but then I think I do know other people that really are in joy and really are in celebration of it because they do acknowledge the, 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 the other stuff that's going on. Um, I do know that I was just basically told not to take up any space anytime ever that, that, that in itself was just a negative. You just never did that. So I don't know. It's a reprogramming, I guess. Oh yeah. I think all of it is a reprogramming for sure. Um, the toxic positivity, the one, the one, it really triggers me because like, 
in the fitness world, it's really prevalent with like the, the t-shirts that are like good vibes only with yoga and, you know, um, all, all positive or whatever they, whatever they say. And for me, it's toxic positivity removes all feeling. It doesn't allow you to feel. And that's why it's so hard for me because I'm like, but I want to feel, and I've worked really hard to feel because if I feel I'm human and, and yes, I might be balled up in the corner for an hour, but then I'm going to get back up and I'm going to use all that feeling to go get some shit done. And to, um, so there's like that equal balance of like, I don't know. I have, I'm not saying this like I like I know really just anything beyond what I'm my own experience, but um, that we're all you use the word balance a lot. Like Roy's the Roy's looking for balance because I think we're wired for e- e- equilibrium. Yeah. So we have. Um... it's hard to say this because I don't want to necessarily like call anyone out, but (laughs) there's, there's something with white women that I see like around this, uh, around this age specifically that, that is a lot of toxic uh, positive positivity, especially like if you look at multi-level marketers yeah, and the um, marketing tactics that they use around toxic positivity and it is infuriating to me um, because number one, it's a pyramid scheme. Like, can I just call it what it is? Yeah. It's a pyramid, it's a pyramid scheme. Um, but there's a bit of, you know, it's, it is, it's the good vibes only um, positive thoughts only the glasses always have full, just keep dreaming. And while, while I agree to some extent, like, yes, it is beneficial for you to acknowledge um, the positive and to see the glasses half full and to imagine possibility for yourself. There's something so unbelievably toxic about not actually acknowledging the real, the realness that people live in and just how isolating that can be. Yeah. But that's, you know, my goodness, like tell people to watch what was the special we watched on Amazon? The, the Lula Rich, Lula Rich, Lulu, Lula Rich. Man, that was eye-opening. Yeah. I think, you know, it reminds me of last summer when um, I went back to teaching classes after that time of being, um, you know, George Floyd had passed away, was, was killed, and then we were quarantined for so long. And I had to go, I wanted to, and, and had to go back to teaching fitness classes. And it was like, well, for one hour, it's, you know, p- people are coming here for, for, um, for this thing, for, for joy and for dancing. And, and, and yes, um, it is. And I had a really, really hard time doing that because it was like, I couldn't pull myself out of 
of what was like, I had to show up in a certain way. And then I'm like, but, but there's all this happening. Like, how can I, isn't, and isn't that, I, I guess, I, I don't know if I'm going in a, in a but that, um, yeah, I guess that was part of the work is finding the joy in that space. I guess is worried about time. I guess so. Brofriend. What you got to leave us with, bro friend? I think y'all said it all. Ate some nana chips. <laughs> it's a scene like, wow, we've been sitting here talking about this. Captain Underbite has been experiencing massive amounts of joy. With Rosie? <laughs> <laughs> Like how sometimes we don't have a camera on us when we do this. So just so our listeners can get a visual, we're sitting in our front room where our piano is. We have these like gorgeous windows and we've got a little table and um, we've glass doors. And so we've had children staring at us like out of a horror movie, right? Like they just stare <laughs> for anybody that's a parent, you know what I'm talking about. But I think the joy, I'm going to totally cut you off. Go ahead. The joy was watching the children stare at you and both of you completely ignored them and just stared at each other and smiled. Because <laughs> everyone out there that's a parent is listening knows what I'm talking about. When you tell your kid, like you're going to take a shower and then you're going to go get into bed and you're going to read and I will be in to give you a kiss and you're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. And then they show up and they just keep staring at you. I even told them this morning, this is what's going to happen. But it's that kid stare, right? Mm -hmm. It's that long, creepy stare where they're Mm -hmm. like, look at me, look at me. And as a parent, you're like, oh, I can't, I can't, (laughs) I cannot show a sign of weakness right now, because if I do, the floodgate is going to be open. And the next thing I know, I'm going to be sleeping on their floor while they're trying to fall asleep. And (laughs) it's going to be a nightmare. It's a whole cycle. It is a whole whole cycle. So yeah, we've had listeners, we've had children outside the glass doors. We're around our cute little table. And then Bo has been experiencing massive amounts of joy, but I don't think Rosie is experiencing it back. This is our life. All right. We want to close it out. Anybody got any final thoughts? We're going to keep going with our joy theme. Alex, what you got for me? final thoughts joy is a journey for me joy is a rebellious act i like that it's a rebellious act uh-huh I, i'll just i was about to say something about the multi-level marketing and i'll just not I'll just keep that to myself <laughs> Just, just everyone go to prime, watch the, watch the four part series. Yeah. Do we say the things you got to say the the things. Um, so, well, thanks for listening, dear listeners. Um, go to youth scene, S E E N.org. Check us out, donate. We have lots of things to offer and resources. Um, if you want to listen I have not this one, done this without or my with my headphones in a while. Um, oh yeah, it sounds weird, right? It does. Um, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at How to Be Queer. Oh, and email us at How to Be Queer 
podcast at gmail.com. What else we got? I think that's it. You're on TikTok. I'm on TikTok. I am on TikTok, but truthfully, I don't do a lot with it. Yeah. I, I have a love-hate relationship with it. So somehow I've gotten, like, you know how people say, and I know we're going to end this, but it's fine. Um, you know, people say like you get to the wrong side of TikTok, and like, sometimes it's like Trump land. Like that is the wrong oh. side of TikTok for me, but I also have ended up on creepy TikTok. Oh, like, yes. like, like haunted TikTok. Yes. Oh, I would Where like that. Now I'm like only hearing like murder stories and, um, like grave cleaners and all this shit. And I'm like, how the fuck did I end up over here? Like, where are the hot non-binary people? That's what I joined TikTok for. I'm just kidding. It's not, I mean, it is, but it's not. (laughs) So I was telling you like the other day, and this is fine. Like if people like to listen to our banter, they can listen to it. But I was telling you about like the worst ghosting story, like not (gasps) ghost, like, but like ghosting, like someone disappears from your life. And all of a sudden, like, you're not just in it for a minute, right? Like these people now they're like part one, part two, part three, part four. I'm on part fucking 16. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like the worst ghosting story I've ever heard this poor woman experience with like her boyfriend who, uh, you know, long story short, but like her boyfriend who she was in a relationship with for two years. Did you see this? See, that, you're in it came too. across my phone the next day. Yes. Yep. And I went down the rabbit hole and this guy basically was like in this relationship with her for two years. And then one day is like, I don't feel good. I'm going to go to the hospital, goes to the hospital and tells her like, Oh, I think I have COVID and then ghosts her. So this poor woman is like, Oh my God. Is he like one of these people that like when COVID was raging, like went to the hospital, nobody knows where he is and all this stuff. So she finally puts out a missing persons thing on him and finds out the guy never existed. So he had been giving her a phony name, a phony identity, all this shit for two years, two years. And she, I'm like, that is so fucked up, but I was down the rabbit hole of that's serious fuckery, serious fuckery on TikTok. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, well, how's she going to find her joy? How's she ever going to trust someone again? She was ghosted in like the worst way possible. That is so much worse than like, didn't answer a text. That's like, I never even really existed. And you thought I was dead of COVID. I think it's really disturbing how it's an example of how disturbing it is that there are people out there who have so little regard for other people. Yeah. I mean, this person, how you don't have some type of attack of your conscious of like, like I got ghosted by someone once Mm -hmm. and like, I have to say like, it's pretty fucking painful. It is painful not to know, like one day we're together. And then the next day they're like, not there. It is, it is a, a particular part of like cruelty that actually took me a really long time to get over. I also understand that closure is kind of a privilege. Right. Yeah. Anyway, but I, I, I am really shocked at this poor woman's story. And she says like, you know, people write and they're like, how did you not figure this out over two years? And she's like, because I was in love. And you know, when you're in love, you have a tendency to just see shit the way that you want to see it. But then she says things like, and you know, oh, well, he told me, you know, every time we would like have to pull our driver's license out for something, he would always kind of like hide it. And he told her, 
it's because I don't like the picture. I'm really embarrassed by the picture. And I'm like, right. Like if you're in love with someone and they say that to you, like you don't rip their license out of you know their hand. You respect that boundary. But I'm like, that was all fucking manipulation for him to hide who he really is. And she still doesn't even know. She still doesn't know who he is, his real name, anything. Like that is really fucked up. Mm-hmm. I came across, I think I came across that person's account and he got please don't tell me there's a part 17 <laughs> there might be a part 17 because Shit. because i'm pretty sure it's the same one that she um knows that he saw the tiktoks because his lawyer sent a her and a cease and desist mm-hmm. that is so even more fucked so up. now she's not allowed to actually really tell i'm like and this is how fucking abusers work this is abuse this poor woman Uh uh-huh we need to find her name and report it on here and then we need to start like a go me a go fund me like i will blast his name so so that she can get a lawyer and i don't know sue him for something oh my gosh can we just talk about how invested we get into the TikToks. <laughs> okay, so we're going along this episode. Folks, you don't have to listen to it. It's fine. You can turn off. You've heard all the things a, that you needed yep. to hear. So here's, I I can't necessarily explain why I love TikTok because I love it, but then I hate it. Mm-hmm. I've seen everything from like the I love 80s guy who's got like a bazillion followers. And basically he's just this cis white dude that stands there and smiles at the camera and is like, this is why you love the eighties. And then he like shows a clip of Ferris Bueller. And I'm like, oh my God, I so love him. And I so love the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's like the, 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 the people that, um, they're the dancers that are amazing. And mm. then there's like Jasmine who always does like, she's the angry black woman in her office. And I fucking live for her. She is amazing. amazing in all the things that she does. But then I like for, for some reason I'm now on scary TikTok, and it's like grave cleaning and mysteries. And I'm like, how did I end up over here? So I was watching it last night and was it under the desk news? Yes. I love I under the desk news. And they said that they found the Zodiac killer because of TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, of course, that totally makes sense. <laughs> I need to know how they knows everything. I need to know how they found the Zodiac killer, mm-hmm. but I love what I follow under the desk news. I love, mm-hmm. I love them. They're amazing. Mm-hmm. They give you the news in one minute and they're this, I think they're, are they non-binary? Mm-hmm. They're non-binary and from my hometown, they're over there now. So. Oh, yay. Maybe, maybe if we talk about them enough, they'll hear our podcast and come on. I mean, maybe they're, amazing. I mean, there's a couple of people from TikTok that I would like to meet. <laughs> well, who else do you want to meet? We'll save that for our next podcast. <laughs> oh, darn it. That would be some good. For the next episode. There are some, you've got a, but I know you've told me a bunch of people that you like on TikTok because mm-hmm. then I started following them, but I mm-hmm. per, in particular, like all the ones that just like call shit how it is. I love Greg isms. Mm-hmm. I mean, He's working in an elementary school now and he throws down like all the shade <laughs> the little kids do against each other, like at the lunch table. If, if, if you're on TikTok, you got to follow these people. Talk about a minute of joy mm-hmm. sometimes. I mean, this is so we're still talking about joy. We like, are still talking is, about joy. This is the rabbit hole of yeah. TikTok and the joy that comes with it. But it's really like, how do I get off scary TikTok? 
where it's like all murders and shit. You have to start searching different tags and then okay. start liking them and then it will adjust your algorithm. Okay. So what's the tag that I need to, to search? Cause I don't think I can go to like <laughs> studs of TikTok. Studs of TikTok. <laughs> I don't know that studs of TikTok is it's, is it dudes? Mm-mm. Oh, it's like, <laughs> it's, it's like, TikTok. it's queer TikTok. It's like non-binary folks. Mm-hmm. But what was our joke about it that we keep getting the the non-binary um, folks that like start taking their clothes off and they call it a, see, I learned this, a thirst trap. You were just learning about a thirst trap? I am because I'm a loser. Do you want to explain to everyone what a thirst trap is? No, I think you should, Kim, because <laughs> How I, I understand yes, it I to me. Okay. Here's my white girl way of understanding <laughs> what a thirst trap is, is that you look at someone and you're like, oh, they're attractive. what is a thirst trap it's yes that's what it is now you have to say it no i mean i would like several tiktok people to do thirst traps but you know but it is it basically a level of confidence i definitely don't have it but i will sit there and watch it Is it, is it supposed to be enticing? Mm-hmm. That's the word it pulls people in. So that's my white girl way of saying it. Mm-hmm. My white girl, polite way mm-hmm. of saying it. Okay. Mm-hmm. See, this is when like bro friend was saying how, when we talked about January 6th, we talked about it in really different ways, but we were saying the same thing. Same thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thirst trap is when a person is trying to entice you. <laughs> I'm so uncomfortable watching thirst traps. Why are you uncomfortable watching it? I think, I don't know. Because they're trying to be like sexy? Maybe. I mean, listen, most of the time when you're walking by, people think you are a thirst trap. So there is that say, part. Honey, I think you're a thirst trap. <laughs> <laughs> so can I embarrass you a little bit? Okay. So this is my life with Alex. And like, <laughs> I'm not even making this shit up. And Alex is going to try to say it's not true. And I'm going to be like, it's fucking true. I don't guess I so when, when we tend to show up at places... And there's because because you are you are extraordinarily attractive, right? And then people will come up and they start like almost like petting you. <laughs> Which that's fucking weird in itself. True story. Right? I'm like, that's that fucking weird. Like you're petting them. Like, like, and then you usually go real quiet and like real dead face. Like what the fuck is happening right now? And then they like to tell me a joke about how they're like, I was so in love with Alex and I didn't even know you existed, but mm, here you are. And then they ignore me the rest of the time and they just keep talking and petting you. I'm like, what is happening right now? But that's what I think you mean when you're like, you just walk by and you're a thirst trap for people. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter what gender they identify with. They all see you as a thirst trap. We've had a number of people pet you in front of me. <laughs> it's weird. And then I'm like, nobody pets me. And I'm like, that oh, may have something go. to do with here the fuck go. off written on my forehead. <laughs> As a true Capricorn, yeah. you do have resting bitch face, which right. is amazing. But right. also, when you walk by, people think the same thing. <laughs> but they just know not to fucking touch <laughs> They're me. like, and oh, no, I'm just not going to say anything. <laughs> So this is, I really actually do hope like our listeners have stayed on with us because I was having the conversation with um, a gay friend of mine and um, talking about 
like it's in terms of like when he came into being queer and he started coming out to people and the way that like women would treat him Mm -hmm. where all of a sudden he's like, why am I suddenly they're gay? Right. Like you hear like women say, there's like, Oh my gays, I'm going out with my gays. And he's like, I don't actually belong to you. I'm not a part. And like, so allies, like, please fucking hear this. Don't refer to someone as your gays. Like we're not Mm -hmm. a fucking pet. Mm -mm. Um, and that I've been people's non-binary friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that's no, I, there's like a sense of possession there. That's really fucking creepy and really fucking performative. But then he was also saying how like straight women will like drape themselves on him and like touch him and pet him and be like, Oh my God, you're so cute. I love having my gay friends and all this. And he's like, yeah, I get that. You think this says something about you, but it's actually really uncomfortable and creepy for me. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there's my note on how not to treat gay people like your your chia pets mm. like <laughs> you said chia pet <laughs> right and i always remember watching um real housewives of beverly hills because mm-hmm. i love that trashy shit <laughs> and kyle richards would always be like i'm going out with my gays tonight and i'm like i seriously wonder how her her friends who identify as like i really wonder how they feel about that if they're like, oh, I'm just out with my hag tonight. Like <laughs> probably, probably. Right. I mean, we could start saying like, we're going to go out with our straighties. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, would you ever say that about our straight friends? Yes. You <laughs> <laughs> we're going yes. out with their straights, going out with the heteros. Like, I don't know that I would ever say that. I would just be like, I'm going out with my friends. Well, and speaking, oh. I was going to say, I was like, unless tequila comes in. Oh, shit. <laughs> That's tequila. a good night. <laughs> so, or gin, like, no. But speaking of, speaking of joy, though, like, I find a lot of joy when we do say we're going out with our gay friends because we live in a fucking wonderful place and it's very white and straight and cisgender. And so, like, it's joyful to know we're going to go out with people who share our community and then like naming it. It's like, I'm going to go out with my gay friend and my, and my non-binary bro friend. And we're going to like do all the things that are joyful. But <laughs> Yeah. I guess like it's a, one of those in community versus out of community things, isn't it? Yeah. Like I can say like, oh my gosh, we're going out with our gay friends tonight. It's going to be so much fun. I still don't refer to them in a possessive way. My gays. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I don't know what's wrong. I wasn't. Him. And I didn't mean that. Like it, obviously, you know, it's, it's never possession. It's like, because you, because I'm, because we're not in, I don't. I mean, really, like, I don't feel like we're in our community at all up here. Oh, hell no. So when you get to go into your own community, it's like, oh, yay. But, but actually this is where we live and yay, I'm happy. And, and it's, there's, there's other aspects of, of, of joy. I think one of my favorite things that we do in our neighborhood is bro, bro friend eats dinner with us a couple nights a week. And then a lot of times afterwards we go on a digestion walk <laughs> And I really just refer to it as like our little mini pride parade of resistance <laughs> where we walk around. Our- we should just like all three, like hold hands down the sidewalk. 
Yeah. And sometimes people walk by and like, good evening. And they make eye contact with us and they smile. But then sometimes we walk through the middle of the golf course <laughs> just to see what happens. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we get the dudes that are hanging off their golf cart realm. You know, they've been out on the course. They've hit men's club night. They've had their drinks and they're like, oh, hey, I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> but still I'm like, keep walking. This is all right. It's our little mini pride parade, but it's still joy because we're laughing the entire time. Oh, it's uh-huh. fucking hysterical. <laughs> it's hysterical. The amount of, the amount of people that, that sometimes stop and smile and then are like, good evening. And then the other people that stop and they're like, stare, like, who are you guys? And then the dudes that I think they're trying to be nice and they want to engage in some way. And we just keep walking. Mm-hmm. Nope. And there's joy in saying, nope. Nope. Dan's got a whole t-shirt now that says nope on it. There we go. Yep. Moon boobs. boobs. Okay, we're down the rabbit hole, listeners. Okay, we're done. (laughs) Tell them all the things or tell them all the things again. If you made it this far, you get a cookie. Send us an email and I'll send you a (laughs) cookie. Is it going to be a crumble cookie? Whatever. I'll give you what a cookie you want. That stuff um, is crack. It is crack. That's like a, like a quarter pound of flour and butter and sugar. Mm, no wonder I don't feel good after I eat them. <laughs> I feel good in the moment, but then not after that. They change flavors once a week. That right? would be a joyous job. <laughs> that all you have to do is make cookies. We're just going to keep going. We are going to keep going. Do you think... <laughs> Do you think like, if you worked at crumble cookie factory, (laughs) do you think you're experiencing joy or do you think you're like, oh my God, if I have to smell one more bit of like sugar and cinnamon together, I just want to stab someone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The second one. one? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Or do you think you have eaten so many crumble cookies that you're like, if I have to eat another one of these, I'm going to die. All of that. They do have some good shit though. Okay. okay. I'll stop okay. now. Um, so, um, I was gonna say. <laughs> okay. So once again, if you made it this far, thank you. Thank you. Reach out how to be queer podcast at gmail.com. How to be queer on Facebook and Instagram. Um, and just last note. I don't know. Never mind. <laughs> That's all I got. I love you all. Kim, look at her phone. <laughs> She's out. <laughs> Nighty night. <laughs>